Thanks for joining us today on the Centerpoint podcast coming from the Loft on Main in Danville, Kentucky. For more information, check us out at centerpointdanville.com. Again, I just want to emphasize that this is a safe place. I want you all to feel comfortable being open and honest about your bad church experiences. We've all been there. Ashley, we haven't heard from you yet. Would you like to share? Okay, well, my friend invited me to this singles thing at her church. It was... Your name must be Blessing, because you're the answer to all my prayers. What? Your name must be Blessing, because you're the answer to all my prayers. I know exactly how you feel. I went to the singles thing last year. We didn't even get to names. You look new. Yeah, I am actually. Are you single? Uh, yeah. How many kids do you want? Do you have a family history of heart disease? Oh, you guys make such a cute couple. (laughs) Uh. How do you feel about a fall wedding? Oh, can we be bridesmaids? Of course you can. Now, do you own your own tux or are we going to need to rent? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Anyone else? My name is not Blessing, and so, man, that would be really, really awkward, wouldn't it? Uh, have you ever had a church, bad church experience like that, the name tag thing? I, I, did, I remember in college days, we, we had to put name tags on a lot of things, and so those are really awkward moments, but this is funny, right? We can poke fun at that, can't we? Um, but if you, have, you don't know my name, my name is Jason, and I'm the lead pastor here. I've been away for a little bit, uh, just uh, allowing some other people to get up here and talk and, and try to train up some disciples and, and see what God can do. But if you're new with us uh, or if you're back with us, hey, we're in the middle of this series. I think it's on part 128 now. Uh, but it, it's, it is one of those things. We're in the middle of this series, and it's really, really cool. It seems like we don't have enough material of bad church experiences. You guys keep giving it to us, and we're going to keep on going. So hopefully this is the, the game changer today. You don't have any more bad church experiences. Uh, but we're, we're just being really real about what, what God's doing through some of these experiences, and we just want you to be changed through this so we can be better uh, at loving on people for Jesus. And, um, and so I, I would say this, you know, if, 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 you, if you had one, if you've ever had one, hopefully uh, the, the church experience is not, the bad church experience is not today, uh, and you walk away really restored uh, and that's my prayer. We, we mentioned that earlier, uh, but I just really want to lean into what that word looks like because I believe it can change everything by the end of the day. If you, if you want your Bibles and if you got your Bibles, we're going we're gonna to dive into a, a, a chapter. Yeah, we're right after the gate, right? Go ahead and look at this book called Galatians and just put your thumb there, Galatians chapter 6, uh, and we'll go, we'll go that route. But as we begin today, um, have you ever caught someone doing something? Like, like red-handed, like you just catch them that. Come on, raise your hand. You caught them, if you catch them, you're like, ah, gotcha, you know? Like stealing the cookies out of the cookie jar, come on. Uh, my kids, you know, I, I, can, I can fully attest to you when they come to me and I catch them in the act, you know? 
Uh, I, you got to blame it on their mom because she sneaks cookies too, you know, because I don't like cookies. But I caught my kids, literally, you know, it's like they get into the Cheetos, you know, of all objects to get into. And you know you're not supposed to have a snack before. But they're like, I didn't have nothing. It's all over your face. Cover your face up, right? You know, or even the, the, those little sweet, uh, the sweet uh, chocolate things, the sweet little chocolate, uh, sweet, I don't know, the sweet, uh, I don't know, you bake with them. How about that? It's the chocolate chips in the cookies, right? And like my kids love those things. They'll go around and they, they, they pick them up and it melts rare in your hand, not in your mouth, right? But like my kid, Micaiah, he had it all over his face. He's like, I didn't get anything. I'm like, Micaiah, it's all over you, man. And you left a trail. This is like Hansel and Gretel, I found you. I mean, he left it all through the house. House, it was too easy, right? You catch them red-handed. Um, you caught them in the act, right? You, you catch them. You catch them. And, and, and so, over this this idea, is that we can just to, to just to permeate what we're getting ready to get into, right? Um, as I was looking into this summer and, and some of my uh, summer mission tr- uh, trip experience at Caswell, Camp Caswell. Um, we got into some shaming, right? We're talking about b- bad church stuff, but like literally just shaming, right? Bad, bad experiences in general that you get caught in. And, and so we just started talking about that with some of the college students we were working with. And, and then all of a sudden you hold this poster like I used to do this on, or I snored on the, on the, on the, on the bus ride. I mean, it just got real. I, I like to wear, you know, uh, like a, a Wonder Woman underpants. I mean, it was just really weird ones, you know, all of a sudden. Uh, and it just, it just gets you into that mode. So I I thought, like, you know, and you can get on Facebook, literally, or so any social media app, and you can see thousands and thousands and thousands of different type of shaming events, right? And if you don't know what shaming is, basically you, something happens, and you take a picture holding the sign and says, you know, I ate 25 burritos, and now I'm paying for it. it just, it's just something of that category. But I didn't realize it was that big of a deal. Shaming was. I, I just didn't, because I guess I just live in my own little bubble. I'm just so focused. But once I got on there, it's just like I spent countless hours looking at these things and I was like you've got to be kidding me like there's pet shaming there's baby shaming there's kid shaming there's adult shaming there's car shaming I mean it's, it, it, there's, the list goes on but I thought I'd bring some of you so you're not sitting there googling and you're paying attention to the sermon the rest of the time you can just look at these pictures real quickly uh, but check out this picture right here and we'll start, we'll start with this one, you know. I chewed the face off of an antique stuffed panda bear. That's a dog, not the panda bear. They put it around his face. They teach him a lesson, right? You know, it's kind of weird. Uh, the next one here, uh, you know, this is the hamster. So hamsters literally are in this too. So I chewed my wheel axle so much that it fell apart and, and ruined. Then I used it to climb out and escape. This is not a shame thing. This guy's smart, you know. <laughs> I, this is, you know, that's not a shame thing. So, you know, what's the next one? I went into my mom's purse while she was asleep, ate a tube of bright red lipstick, and chewed up five $1 bills. This, this is my kind of dog, man. I mean, he just looks great. And so here's a cat. I watched a mouse eat my food and did nothing. This cat is worthless. If it was in my house, if, I hear the word if, if this cat was in my house, he would find himself out the door. Just saying. Just saying. Uh, I love this one. I ate 13 keys off my dad's laptop. Now I have the alphabet poops. I, I, you know, maybe you're like, oh, that's too gross. But hey, it's just, that'd be just kind of funny, you know, figure find out where the T was. Anyways, um, I pooped on mommy's clean carpet, and I love the dog, you know, and I ate it. You know, thank God for dogs, you know. Thank God for dogs. They clean things up that we don't want to, right? So, uh, and then they lick your face. Just saying, just saying, you know. Um, this is me, seven years, four kids, three diaper changes. Just being honest, just don't judge me. You're just being honest, right? Um, 
lack of hair though. But then we get into some real things. When I was on vacation, uh, sorta, uh, I was on work, right, mission, uh, mission trips. But I saw a guy down there who was walking with a sign. And this caught my attention. And this is public shaming, right? One-on-one. I saw this guy walking and, and, and literally... It said something similar to this. I didn't go up and take a picture. It's like, oh, selfie. You know, I didn't do that. But I know other people that were doing it. They were sneaking up behind him. And he basically said, I stole something from a local store. And I guess somebody has made him wear this sign. And I started thinking about that. I'm a thief and I stole from Walmart. Right? And immediately your reactions are a lot different than the previous one. It, just, it sort of just switches, doesn't it? But as a church, we sort of do that, right? We sort of do this a lot, and, and pet shaming is funny, and, but the truth is, we love the thrill of the catch, don't we? We love to catch somebody in the act. We love the thrill of the catch. We love it. It's something that's deep down inside of us. And if you don't believe me, just look on Facebook and literally other social medias and, and, and check it out. It's full of people getting caught in the acts. And maybe that's you. Or maybe you're the one that's been caught in the act and you just don't know how it feels. But we've all been shamed in some way. You see, we love the thrill of the catch. We love it. And that's why there's so many tabloid magazines at checkout lines. Come on, right? Caught. And that's why there's, 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 there's literally new material week after week after week. Because why? Because we buy it. As a culture, we buy it. That's simply because, uh, you know, there's such a, a thrill of a catch. That's why TMZ exists, you know, some of those shows on TV. That's why uh, literally TV shows literally record things and, and mass produce it. And, and even NBC with Chris Hansen caught, you know, the predator. You know, and we're just glued to the TV to catch them. Not, you know, we're just, we're, 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 we are, even though we're not any, even a part of catching, we're, we're a part of catching, right? And, and there's some YouTubers now out there, literally, that just, I mean, it's, 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 it's amazing. I, I was blown away, but they, they drive around in U-Haul trucks, and they just throw the back door up, and they, they leave it open for people, and they catch them trying to steal things out, and they shut the door, and they drive them around town, literally hours away, and just knock them all around. These people, it's kind of funny, but it's kind of sad. We love to catch people. We love it, don't we? If we're really honest, we love to catch people. But why? You see, that, that thing with, that's within us that drives us to watch this or, or to catch somebody in the, in the act is, is a human tendency that is a part of who we are. That separation from God. It's the one thing, it's the one thing to shame a dog or a cat or even a baby, you know. And some things are really funny that's true, right? But it's to shame a person when they mess up their life or others' lives around them, it's unacceptable. The human tendency and the culture that now precedes us. It's literally the thrill of the catch. We love it, and we chase after it. And maybe, maybe you're here today, and you've experienced that. You've, ex- you, you, you've been caught for whatever it was, whatever, whatever it, you know, in the past it, that caused tension, 
that caused hurt and, and you've been caught in that experience and you've, you've never let that go. And matter of fact, you've never let it go and now you're just a church attender and you're not someone who's contributing because you're afraid because you've been hurt. You've been hurt by another church or maybe our church or, or it literally you're just scared to open up because you don't know what the next step looks like because you've been hurt in the past. Or maybe you're the person who loves going around catching people. You got your little cell phone and you're just click, 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 click. You're just waiting for them to mess up. And if that's you, that's just that human tendency deep down inside that just loves to catch people. We love the thrill of the catch. The truth is the crazy thing, this has been going on for years this has been going on for years, and it was going on in some of the earliest churches. And if you don't know the Apostle Paul, he went around the Mediterranean Sea on the other side of the Europe, European area of the world, and he planted churches everywhere. And as he would go, he would leave instructions for them, but then he would come back and visit and be like, hey, man, this, these letters. And so he wrote a bunch of letters in the Bible. And these letters actually turned into be called books of the Bible. And so he's got Ephesians in there. He's got Philippians in there. He's got Ephesus in there. He's got Corinthians in there, and they messed up really bad because they have two letters, first and second. But, you know, you got Galatians in there, right? And so we're going to be diving into Galatians today. And he's writing this letter of encouragement, and he's writing this letter at the very end in chapter 6, just so we can address the mess that they've created, because this is not what he intended for it to look like. He, he literally wanted them to know so they could literally take a huge step forward and stop Stop critiquing and stop literally catching people in the messes. In one of his letters, he actually describes what, it, what we should do when we catch people in this letter in Galatians. And apparently people here were experiencing some, some really bad church experiences. And Paul wanted to help address the mess, right? He wanted to help address the mess. And he sets this uh, up by, by how we should live, uh, live because we're, we're, there's a group of people in that day and time that were doing all the catching, right? There's a group of people that were doing all the catching, and there was a group of people who were causing people to live by the law. And Paul walks into this mess and addresses it head on. He was just like, listen, you've got to stop doing this. It's causing people to run away. Paul opens up this big can, literally. He opens up this big can, and, and he's like, I will show you what it really means. And he says, one should should live by the Spirit and not by the law. And then he goes on to cause more confusion by talking about living by the Spirit versus living by the flesh or living God's ways according to human nature. And then he addresses this and he keeps on pushing in and, and he, what to do when people call themselves Jesus followers but don't live by the Spirit. Now he's coming after them. He's literally just pressing in. And he's like, listen, this is not right. They don't live by God's way. You're not following what it says. You're not following the footsteps of Jesus. And for some of you, this is where your bad church experience is about to happen. Because Paul dresses the mess. And we're caught up in it. You see, 2,000 years ago, when this all went down, is not too far away from the same type of messes that we have in our churches today. But like I've said before, if it's good for Paul, it's good for all. And since we do live in the county, y'all, right? It's good for all of us. It's good for y'all. So in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, it says this. It says this. It says, brothers and sisters, 
Brothers and sisters, if someone, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should. You know, this should word's a transitional word, right? But the word that I really want to talk about is, is caught. This, this, this word called caught. You see, we care so much about the behavior sometimes. We care so much about the behavior and exposing bad behavior that it turns people off to the gospel. It turns people off away from the church, the bride of Christ. We get so, we, we get so the love of the catch, we, we get so thrilled about it, you know? We get so thrilled about it. And Paul's saying, wait, whoa, whoa. This is important to God to stop sinning, but for us to go off and just get all just, ah, caught him. I knew he was guilty. He had chocolate all over his face. It's like, man, you've, you've missed the mark. You've missed it. You've completely bypassed following Jesus and got so strung out on the law of, of right and wrong and behavior patterns. And maybe if you're here and Maybe, maybe it wasn't inside the church, right? Maybe it wasn't inside the church, but it was on the outside of the church walls by church people. Come on, let's be honest, right? That happens a lot around here because we live in a church culture. And we have a lot of people, they claim one thing, I follow Jesus, but man, what comes out of their mouth? There's no following in the spirit of Jesus because they're just full of themselves, and they love to tear people down. I've watched it. And if I'm truthful, I've been a part of it. I'm leaning into me, and I know I've been guilty of this. You catch somebody out and doing something, and something comes across so natural. It's a knee-jerk tendency. Like, I just say it, and it comes out. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, I shouldn't have said that. Anybody been there? Come on. It just comes out, right? It's that knee-jerk tendency that just, it vomits out, and you're just like, I shouldn't have said it. And maybe it's, it's a lot easier with your family, and you just, you just throw insults, you throw malice, you throw anything and everything, even the kitchen sink sometimes. And you wonder why they are the way they are? Look in the mirror. You shouldn't have to go very far. You see, those who live by the Spirit are different. You see, and that's what was going on in Galatian. And when, G, and when Paul just wants to, to address this mess, he literally says, when we have healthy people, we have healthy church, but right now we don't have healthy people because of you. You're causing a lot of harm. And this literally goes back to my college days. And I can remember back in college, we, you know, we... We were able to venture and, and you explore just a little bit and you go check out this church over here and you go check out this church over there. And, and I found myself in some pretty weird churches in college, just being quite honestly. I was just exploring. Hey, I grew up in a Baptist bubble and I thought the Baptist was the only way it was the truth and the light. You know, that's just what I was taught, right? But what I figured out was there was a lot of really cool experiences outside the Baptist wall. And, and 
And I didn't know anything because that's just the environment that I grew up with. And I loved my church experience growing up. I loved everything about it. And I can't say much bad about it. But what I found out was there was a lot of other cultures out there. And I never will forget this one culture. Uh, one of my friends said, man, this is my grandmother's church. We're going to go there. I said, cool, we'll go hang with grandma, man. As long as she's got food after it, broke college students, I'm going to eat with grandma. You know, that's just what I thought. But I got to go sit with grandma. And, and the church experience was kind of, you know, liturgical. If you don't know, that means a lot of Bible reading as far as up, down, and not much singing. It's just a lot of, you know, coarse, hard line, stream Streamlined doctrine, and it just got really weird for me. Not saying that's bad, I liked it. Um, but what happened at the end of the service was what caught me off guard. I'm just being straightforward. This, this, this other person that was there in, in the aisle, and he was up front, I, wasn't, I was sitting towards the back um, with my friend, and um, the, the pastor stands up and says, Yeah, we have one more item to discuss this morning. And, and I would like to ask this person to stand up. And essentially, this guy was caught in some sin. The guy was caught in some sin, and, and, and he called him out on it, in front of everybody, by the way. Now, hey, there's only 30-some-odd people there, okay? But to call him out in front of everybody, and he said, this is the way we do discipline inside this church. And then he disciplines. He said, this is the authority given to me. This is what the Bible says. So be it. I never will forget those words. So be it. And he says, glad you're here this week. We'll see you back next week. I was like, no, you won't. No, you're not. No, sir. Not a chance in France. And I guarantee you, that guy ain't coming back neither. You know? He can go to my church. You know? We'll just have church in the parking lot, sing Kumbaya. That's much better than what's happening right there. There's no way I'm coming back in there. There's no way. And I was like, man, as I begin to think about this, we've done it too. We, we've done the same exact thing, haven't we? We, we? we sort of just catch people, and then we call them out sometimes not in the best way, don't we? There's no grace, definitely. There's no love. Oh, we say, I'm loving you by what? Right? But where's the love? You see, we, we think that because of our experiences, that Paul must have wrote the following piece after what we've experienced should say something along the, you know, brothers and sisters talking to us. If, if someone is caught in sin, you know, you should live, what, by the Spirit should, those who live by the Spirit should, what, we should expose them, the person, publicly and stone them, right? That's what it should say. Because that's what it appears, that's what it looks like. Or maybe, maybe we should rebuke that person quickly and never be around that person again. We will keep our family from them because they are a sinner, you know? They, they do that sort of thing, right? Or maybe, maybe, maybe it should say something along the lines of we should, we should condemn that person harshly, publicly on Facebook, social media, and Twitter, and everything else we got because that's just what we can do. You see, Paul did not write that at all. He didn't write that at all. But due to our culture, one would think that's the truth. Due to the culture of the church, they would think that's what Paul wrote. Because if you know his story, Paul's story, and how Jesus turned his life around, if anyone had some opportunities of people to insult you know, something towards a man, it would be Paul, right? Because his name was Saul, and he killed people. 
He killed Christians. As a matter of fact, he, he, called, he called them out in a way that made them renounce their following to Jesus or he would kill them. Now then, if somebody wants to throw something at somebody, here's a, here's a prime example, right, of what it looks like to feel the love and start following the footsteps. So he writes something so profound here. Paul says, for those of us who live by the Spirit, he calls us out. Brothers and sisters, it gets really intimate, right? This is like brothers and sisters. Hey, I'm telling you, stop doing this. See, the nature of the thrill that catches, it's we love to catch somebody. That's not the living by the Spirit. That's not living in the Spirit. That's living in the flesh. And if we're going to walk in the Spirit, we must keep in step with the Spirit in Galatians 5.25. If we're going to walk in it, if we're going to walk in it, we should what, church? We should what? What's the rest of that passage say, if you're reading your Bible? It says, we should what? What's the word? Come on. Restore. It says this, we should restore that person gently. We should restore that person gently, but watch yourself, or you may also be tempted. We should what? Restore. When's the last time you restored anybody? When did you restore something? You see, this changes everything. This changes the whole idea of what church could look like. And someone's bad church experience could be the greatest experience ever when you restore them. When you restore something, it changes everything. It can have an, a, a changed life, changed life experience. You see, my wife over this past summer literally has gotten onto this little kick of, of this show called Fixer Upper. And, and I'm about done with Chip and Joanna, just being quite honest with their fixer-uppers. I'm done with it because there's a bunch of honeydews involved with fixer-uppers. But here's the truth about fixer-uppers. Um, there's so many uh, of those examples out there, and they have thousands of hands, and I only got two. And just be truthful. If you don't know what happens, they find a house, and they sort of, they sort of fix it up. Here's a, here's a good example. They, they find an old house, you know, on the left. And, and I remember this episode. She made me watch it. Uh, Go figure. But they turn it into that, you know? Okay, A, I don't even know if I got the skills to do that. But, but B, I know it's just going to take a lot of time and effort and energy. And, 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 you know, let's just be honest, honey. It's just, look at it. It's just easier. Just to, Can we just tear it down? It's on stilts, Sarah. Come on. It's on stilts. Let's just, just bulldoze it. I can build something quicker, newer, right? Let's just condemn it and move on. Uh, look at this one. There's the next. Okay, clearly... When they looked at this, and they said, wait a minute, we can fix this up. This looks like Mr. Rogers' neighborhood to me, all right, if you grew up in that era. Now, this is what it looks like to me. But I'm just sitting there going, there's no way that's the same house. But clearly, when they look at something, they look at it through the eyes of restoration, not condemning. They look at something and say that it has value, not worthless. They literally go down the road of fixing things, what? Up. They change everything. They, they change the neighborhood because what ended up happening typically, if you read the book, um, it changes the whole neighborhood. Everybody down the neighborhood starts changing little small things. They start to fix up their neighborhood. And next thing you know, it, it, it goes over to the next neighborhood and it starts to fix things. It's crazy what happens. 
Everybody starts to do something a little different. And if we as Christians are going to live by the Spirit and claim to walk in it, in Jesus, when we catch something that's a mess, we are called out to help restore that mess. Not just sweep it underneath the rug. Not just condemn it. See, it's, it's so much easier. It's so much easier for us to what? Tear that person down when we catch them in a mess. Isn't it? It's so easy to let the tongue fly and just let it roll and tear it down. But there's beauty. There's beauty in the restoration process. Hey, it is messy. It involves you getting your hands dirty and you may get tired and you may get weary, but you're called to work and walk and watch this thing called worthiness unfold before your eyes. And months down the road, I promise you, if we're walking by the Spirit, literally, it will change your life. We're called as Christ followers in the business of restoration, not condemning. If we are following Jesus, it's all about restore because he wants restored you. You see, in my journey as a Christian and as a church planner, it's been kind of challenging. Some of the hardest years of my Christian journey has been in this past five years because there's been a lot of condemning. And so over the next couple of weeks, you're going to hear a lot more personal stories that come into my life. And you're going to lean in and either look at me and condemn me or you're going to walk with me and see what res restoration looks like. But I do know this over the past couple of years. I know this to be true because it's happened to me personally. Condemning is easy, but restoration, it's difficult. Condemning is really easy, but restoration is difficult. Condemning is really simple. Condemning is really simple, but restoration, restoration is complex. Condemning is, is actually kind of destructive, but restoration is constructive. And what I have found out the most is this. Condemning is not like Jesus, but restoring is like Jesus. You see, when we condemn people, when we condemn people, it, it, it makes them feel like we've turned our backs on them. It makes them feel like we've turned our backs on them. And what we're actually saying is there's no, there's no value in there. There's no value in that person. In our time and our energy is not worthy of helping that person restore their life so they can feel worth or value. You see, restoration is a beautiful thing when we get our hands dirty and messy. And when you think of the church, if you could just lean in, when you think of the word church, do you think of restoring people or do you think of condemning people? What about church people? What about church people? Do you think of the church people, you know, do you think about restoring or condemning when you say there's church people out in the streets of Danville and areas around us? When you look at them, what type of a community do you want to be a part of? Do you want to be a part of a community that's about restoring or condemning? Do you want to be a part of a community that helps restore people and brings them back in the light or just keeps them in the dark and condemns them and say, you have no value here? 
Can we, as a church, as a young church, can we be in the business from this day forward in the business of Jesus and be in the business about restoration? Could, could we make an agreement that that's what we're going we're gonna to do everything? We're going to be the new fixer-uppers in this central Kentucky. We're going to change the atmosphere by simply restoring people's lives. If we could do that, man, I think we could change the world. I think we could impact our world. You see, in Galatians 6.1, that word, if we can go back to that, that, ver- that verse, it, it says Galatians 6.1. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught, right? If someone is caught. You see, caught actually has a double meaning. That's what I've learned out. A double meaning word is, is, is like the word bark, B-A-R-K. Uh, and some of you immediately thought of a dog barking, right? Or a tree bark, right? I carved my name in the bark. Uh, or you can think of the word bat, B-A-T, right? The animal that flies around and sucks your blood. I'm just kidding. Uh, or, or the baseball bat, right? Hit a home run with the bat. Or, or you can think of the word play, and you immediately have fun with the word play. You can go outside and play. Or you can have a drama, right? Play, right? You can have those type of words. Or you can think of the word fixed, and you can fix something in the plumbing. Or if you're a dog, this is a bad word, right? You know, it's just, it just is what it is. Um, so if we use the word caught by a net, right, caught by a net, if we can use the word caught or caught in a net, caught in a net, if we can use the word caught in a net, you think of the words, it's kind of harsh. It's kind of like torture. It's, it's awkwardly, it's, it's, it's cruel. Or we could use the word caught by a net, and it's, it's safe, it's secure, it's to save, it's to rescue. And so, so I brought an example. I was, when I was down at, at, at Fort Caswell, I saw some students out. You know, and I've often looked at this, and we were on the, the, the river there at Cape Fear, and, and, and literally, um, I've watched hundreds of people really do this, but I haven't, haven't really paid much attention to it. But basically, if you don't know what this is, it's a big, huge net, right? And, and so you, you, you throw this thing out, you know, won't do that. But, you know, it's just one of those moments, uh, what happens is, is this girl was doing it at nighttime, and finally she got to the point where she got really good at throwing the net out, and she had a much bigger one than this one. It was like 20 feet wide, but she was catching fish like crazy. It wasn't like little minnows. We're talking fish, but she was using it to catch the next bigger fish. And what I watched was is as soon as you get caught, you know, you throw it out there, and then all of a sudden you jerk this line like this and it snares them up and these fish are going crazy. They're just, they're just you know, flopping around everywhere and big ones and small ones, they're just, they're aggressively trying to get out and they just don't want to have any part of it. Now then, the next day, literally, when I saw them doing this, they actually had a be- bigger net and this youth group, this one youth group, actually took this same net and they were holding it like this and everybody had a piece of it and they, everybody had to hold, you know, one of the weights and what they were doing is literally something that was pretty impressive. Now, I don't know if I would have done it because it smelled like fish, but they were doing it, and what they were doing it actually was doing trust falls into the net. They were literally falling, and each person was holding and catching that person in the net. And I went on to just brainstorm for a second. When we look at our church, do we see people throwing it out there, and then snagging, catching them in the act. Do we love the thrill of the catch? Or do they look at us more of a church and say, I'm catching you when you're caught. 
when you're stuck in sin, I'm catching you this way. Not like this, but like this. And when we look inwardly at ourselves, Paul's saying something so profound. When people of the church are outliving their life, we should, we should not be in the business of catching people in the net like this. We should be in the business of, of really looking for people to be caught by a net like this. We should literally walk around like this, not like this. Or not like this. Let me ask you a question as we wrap up and the team comes up. Let me ask you this. How do you want to be caught? How do you want to be caught? Let's just be truthful with that. How do you want to be caught? Did you want to be caught like this? Or do you want to be caught like this? What if, what if we catch the way, what if, what if we start thinking about this? What if we should be catching the way we want to be caught? What if we switch that inwardly into us? What if we switch it in the way that we want to be caught? What if we could eliminate people's bad church experience when they stumble and fall into sin and they were caught like this and not like this. I think the word restored would come out naturally. And we would love on them. And they would find community and, and they would find faith. And we would help carry, carry the weight of their sin along the journey until they are fully restored. You see, Paul goes on in Galatians and addresses this in Galatians 6, 2, and it says this as we close. It says, carries, carries, carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry. When we catch like this, we carry. And when we catch like this, we condemn. Which way are you doing it? Which way are you doing it? You see, there's so much at risk here, and the Apostle Paul was addressing this head on for all of us to catch like this. Because we have a Heavenly Father who catches like this. He doesn't go around catching like this. Because if he did, none of us would be here. He walks out and he catches like this. He puts those arms out. He says, come to me those who are weary, and I'll give you rest. Who's caught up in sin. I just want to carry the load. You see, great churches over years, they catch and they carry those who are entrapped in sin. And they land safely in arms open wide. And if we could sum it up today, it would say this. Apostle Paul he would be saying this to us. Great churches catch the fallen and carry the burden. Great churches catch the fallen and carry the burden. And so today, I don't know where you're at. And maybe you're at the point, a point break, and you're scared because you feel like you're going to be caught if it gets out. I can tell you this. There'll be people who are not walking in the Spirit that may do that. But I promise you, if you trust God with this, he will catch you like this. And he will do something only he can get the credit for. He will restore you. 
and he will not condemn you. And I promise you, if I have anything to say about it, I'll be the next Joanna and Chip. I will help not condemn. I will help restore. And I'll do everything in my last breath to help carry that burden. And I know there's some people here that will do the exact same thing, but you got to take the first step. It's up to you. So do you want to be caught like this? Or do you want to be caught like this? Let's pray. Jesus, I know this to be true and accurate. That there's people here that's hurting and they've been hurt because they've been caught and they've been snagged up in sin and, and Satan has come to cause confusion and he's come to steal, kill, and destroy and he, and he hurts. It hurts when we get caught in this. And God, I know there's people in this room that have been hurt and been caught. And I just want to pray over them that they may lean into you and, and feel what it means to be caught in your arms that won't condemn, that will do everything in their power just to love on you and restore you. Jesus, as we sing this song, may, may people just respond in a way that allows them to feel love and begin the restoration process, no matter where they're at. And Lord, I just pray on the side of condemning, and if we're in the business of condemning, may we feel your presence in a way that allows us to feel convicted. And to step forward and say, God, I have, I have made some crucial mistakes in my past and I'm asking for forgiveness. God, allow us to, to feel that presence because this is huge. This is, there's too much at risk here. People walk away from the church constantly simply because of us. So God, I'm asking. I'm asking for your spirit to move in a way right now that allows us to lean in and just feel caught by your loving arms so we can take huge strides forward and, and begin to change the landscape of central Kentucky and literally start to change the culture around the world simply because we decided to open up our arms and help walk and see what rest restoration really looks like. God, may we be a church that catches people when they fall just like somebody's on top of a building and is jumping off for just, just to save their life, and they fall, and they, they fall into a net. May we just catch them. Lord, may we catch them. And may we love on them when they're completely caught. When the shame runs in and floods into their life, may they feel loved here. May they know this is the first step of what restoration looks like. And may they walk away with a changed life through only your name. Jesus, that's my prayer. And I thank you for how you're, you're restoring lives. And you're in the business of restoring, not condemning. God, I thank you so much. In your name, amen. Hey, we're going to sing a song. I don't know where you're at. But however you choose to respond, man, may you just be obedient to what God's doing. Why don't you stand and sing this song?